War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Best lawn ever, guaranteed. Contact Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today. Now, you can call them, 401-392-1025. Get a quick, easy quote. The best thing to do, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. They have a great website. It's easy, lawndoctor.com, lawndoctor.com. Then just put in your zip code. Get a quick, easy a quote. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Take Get part of their premium eight-service program. Early spring, spring lime, late spring, summer, Grub prevention, early fall, fall, late fall, Lawn Doctor, online at lawndoctor.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. It is Friday. It is May 20th. Folks, it's going to be, a, um, as you heard in the forecast, it's going to be a very warm weekend. But it is, um, it is just disaster what is happening in Rhode Island right now. And I want you to understand that uh, there are people that have no trust in the election system and process in our state. And I don't blame them because the highest levels of Rhode Island government, Governor Raimondo was involved with this. Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott was involved with this. Lieutenant Governor uh, Sabina Matos is involved in this. Um, they have all these people were involved with this faulty census. And Rhode Island uh miscounted counted people twice and i'll tell you that john marion of common cause the guy is a disgrace they're not a good government group it's common fraud this is a disgrace what happened they're so proud of themselves that they pulled one over on the census and you know this this whole business rhode island and and look at even the way they, they try to protect them third largest overcount listen rhode island double counted people and John Marion, oh, yeah, this explains why it was such a surprise. As I have been saying, we didn't gain population. We lost population. And even with that, they were paying illegals. Check out petro.com They were paying illegals $20 each to fill out the census. And then the Census Bureau. Now, that was submitted. That took the Census Bureau a year to realize that Rhode Island overcounted and a large number. 55,000 over of what the population actually is. That's no small number. By the way, that also wasn't an accident. That was done by design. Why? Because they want to keep the Langevin seat and everything that goes along with it. These are the people. Here's the real question, though. These are the people that are in charge of the elections. Does anyone trust the people that were in charge of the elections? What a complete disgrace. Now, they're trying to say, oh, no, it's not a big deal. In 2030, it could affect things. You know what it affects? The integrity of the process. This is disgraceful. And folks, now, and, and, and I'm also very disappointed. We're going to give her a chance to weigh in. But the people that didn't vote on the legislation, there was legislation to try to loosen the rules. As I have been telling you, and I'm going to be posting more about it over the weekend, our elections, what they're going to do, and Governor McKee could sign this now into law. And I believe, as I've said, he has a game of chicken going on right now with Nelly Gorbea. Look at the conflicts of interest. Nelly Gorbea should not be pushing through legislation that's going to help her in her bid for governor. Greg Amore voted for this legislation. He's East Providence rep. He also, he wants to be the next secretary of state. He shouldn't be involved in something like that. Folks, they want loose elections. They, they want, this all benefits the campaigns. They want to take you out of the mix. They, they're tired of the general public being involved with the elections. Instead, they want, to have, they want to have the campaigns basically control the elections. And this business that it would start, uh, Rhode Island's, uh, Steve Fryers of the Rhode Island uh, Republican Party National Committee, Rhode Island's aggressive census counting, led to the equivalent of double counting more than the entire population of the city of east providence you think that was an accident you think that that wasn't done by design democracy only works when people trust the system double counting fifty-five thousand people 
in order to hold on to a congressional seat destroys that trust. What a complete disgrace. In announcing the overcount, Census Bureau Director Robert Santos said uh, getting an accurate count is always difficult. Yeah, and certainly when states are cheating. You know, I don't celebrate that. I don't, I don't celebrate that. And that John Marion of Common Cause, that guy, I knew it. He is part of the problem. He absolutely goes out. And, and look at these, oh, you know, it could be complicated. It could be, you know, college students. It could be, ch- no, it's not. They were paying 40,000 illegals $40 a piece to fill out the census. I'm going to contact that top guy. What an absolute, but that John Marion, what a jerk. He is, there's no credibility. I'll tell you one thing, the guys know Phil West. This is beyond broken. I knew it. You know, we knew it when it came out. They were all shocked and they pointed that what a celebration. And and I'll also say this, the media took them at their word. The media should have dug dug, uh, deeper on this whole thing. And the media did not dig deeper into this, which also was a whole nother factor that comes in. U.S. Census Bureau era, well, helped Rhode Island keep it. It wasn't their era. It was the era of Rhode Island. Yeah, they. you know what the era was? They trusted the Rhode Island representatives. Instead of adding 44,000 new residents, Rhode Island lost 10,000 over the course of the decade. Rhode Island's... See, this is, again... When you're dealing with this type of corruption, which you are, it knows no bounds. It doesn't. And, and, and now, you know, look how it, it all just like becomes a big joke to the people in power. But you know what? The joke is on them because they completely are destroying any sense. Why would anyone? I want to remind people, this is the same crowd that is telling you, don't worry about it. We we ha- we can handle elections. You should trust us with the elections. Oh, you can you can definitely trust us when it comes to the elections. Uh, there is no trust, folks. This portion of the program brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet, one seventy Royal Little Drive in Providence. It's Ron and Melissa. Everything big, fresh. Stop in and see them. Delicious calzones located right off of Silver Spring Street. Make it a great day at Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Delicious pies, calzones. Uh, pizza strips, wimpy skimpy spinach pies, and then also the delicious chocolate donuts, Trump 2024 donuts, and also Let's Go Brandon donuts as well. But this is, listen, without question, uh, this is a complete disgrace. And the Rhode Island authorities, there, there needs to be some accountability here. And, and, and Governor McKee now is going to sign. Now, I also want to touch on, you know, the media is now going crazy with Rhode Island's at a high COVID level. This is a different strain. This is a different strain. This is not the strain of March of 2020. And, you know, I know the media wants to hype this up, and they, they will. And the media also, you know, want to get everybody all excited. But the fact of the matter is, from what I understand right now, people that are getting this strain of COVID, if you have uh, the vaccine, if you get the booster, uh, people know a lot more. Uh, about the virus now and that they shouldn't go into work or what have you but but all all of those things um they, they, this business they they never wanted to go away in in some ways meaning meaning covid but th- this pushing the panic button it all comes down to there's two things that really should concern people hospitalizations and also deaths if someone is not in the hospital or you don't have people dying from the strain then it's a cold and there's a lot of people, and maybe you're listening right now, you know, you had COVID during the course of December, the wintertime, and, and what did it turn out to be? It, it, it really just turned into a cold. That's what it was. So I, I think it's irresponsible if they just continue to um, frighten people almost in a way. But I want to come back to this census story. And, and what, you, what you need to understand, and I recognize some of the names I mentioned, but folks, this is the inner sanctum. These are the people that are on the inside. I also want to touch on, there's a story in the in the Providence Journal, Rhode Island businesses find frustration trying to get COVID grants. You know, nowhere in the story do they mention the hundreds of millions 
that were fraudulently stolen for people saying that it was COVID. So some of these people, gee, boo-hoo, it's taken you, a, you got to jump through hoops to get $5,000. So there were, I, I think it might even reach that there were billions stolen. Nowhere, COVID aid for small businesses, Rhode Island getting caught up in red tape. Nowhere in the story does it even mention the fraud and how much was stolen in the initial first wave when all the money was flying out so if this if the if the federal government and even the rhode island officials are are making it harder for many of these people to get get free money by the way these aren't loans gee it's they're making it tough for me to get all this free money then i then finally the government's actually doing the right thing and they should be doing more of it as a matter of fact good i have no problem with that how do you not how do you omit that from something like that how do you admit that now listen i understand that the covid cases are rising listen the same thing applies you know if you don't know it by now uh you know you're better off to be outside and that's always better and we we know fresh air sunlight are always good right if there's someone sick they need to stay away from everybody and elderly and those with compromised immune systems need to be extra careful um if, if people can't get that by now then I, i'm not sure that we can help them so but that, that there is no reason another covid spike in rhode island listen in rhode island by the way it is a hot spot but i just wonder if right now that we're testing more than some of the other states are so maybe that's that's why it's um coming into play like that maybe that's why we're listed as as one of the hot spots because because just for that because we are testing more uh the new york times and i i get it that uh, i think this new wave of covid should be handled in the manner of they put the information out and then those that need to have to take the uh, appropriate precautions but it sure sounds like with a lot of people that are coming down with this strain it doesn't seem to be more than than really just a uh, a, a cold so president biden is um is overseas in uh south korea i'm also seeing uh, the new york times came across they found some some video it's so horrible new evidence shows russian soldiers executing uh men in ukraine in bucha and they were able to get their hands on it, it looks like someone you know like someone had a sir security camera and it, it it's just brutal to uh see that that is going on and then you know putin though russia vows to halt gas exports to finland these countries are finally wising up and they are uh realizing that there's power in numbers and the fact that uh that they are joining nato is a positive thing and you you can't he is a bully and he needs to be uh, treated that way and from what we understand the the um appetite for war is really dragging on in, in russia um and and it's this thing is going to go on for a while but it, it is a positive he cannot be threatened that way folks the other thing is here in on this country the biden administration let's just face it it is it is absolutely just a complete disaster it is from the gas prices the whole thing was was wrong from the get-go i'm looking at the new york times kareem jean pierre's unlikely rise to white house lectern the first black and first openly gay press secretary grew up in a family blah you know nowhere do they mention she's anti-semitic and she was part of uh, moveon.org so very checkered past she shouldn't have that job she's not prepared for that job has nothing to do with race has nothing to do with her sexual preference i believe her hatred for israel her anti-semitic remarks in the past some of the stuff she did and on top of that she has a connection her lover is employed by cnn so if anything uh i find someone like that it's it's not that they they don't get a chance they they get more breaks than just a, a typical person but the the biden presidency right now you know the price of gas is not stopping inflation is continuing he's clearly not up for the job 
And you read all the reports. We, we are in for a rough summer and in a, in a rough fall. Biden approval, lowest of presidency. You know, they don't deserve the midterms. Uh, everything they're trying is like in desperation. Everything they're trying right now, meaning the Democrat Party, is they are coming down to one issue. And that is they're trying to frighten people um, about abortion. And that's what it comes down to. And they can try to pretend it's something else. But that's that's really the only thing that they have going for them, that and the situation in Buffalo, where they just want to keep talking about white supremacy. And as I told you, when I went to that press conference in Providence the other day, you know, they don't even touch on the fact, you know, they just keep chanting that white supremacy is the biggest threat in Providence. Um, I will tell you, as someone um, that covers crime in the city of Providence, uh, no, the biggest threat is is uh, gang warfare, drug warfare, black on black crime. That is, you know, that is the, the number one cause of deaths in, in the city of Providence. And they were all standing there the other day. Mayor Lorzer and Governor McKee and blah, blah, blah. The number one cause of violence is uh, one black member of the community shooting and killing or stabbing another black member of the community. That's the number one cause. It's not white supremacy. They wish it was white supremacy so they could blame it on the Republicans. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, hey, springtime means grill time. Yes, it does. And I'd like you to stop in and see my friends. You know, they do such a fantastic job, folks, as far as JS Appliance, family-run business. Think of this. They have been in business since 19... 63 family run business and memorial memorial day listen great time also it's going to be hot do you have an air conditioner jay's broadway appliance and tv appliances grills air conditioners they've started their sale early go there while inventory is good they have a right now great selection on weber grills on display along with air conditioners for windows or built-in walls for senior apartments or condos. Also, great selection, washers, dryers, dishwashers, refrigerators. May is Maytag month. Hurry down. You deal directly with the owner. Yes, you can use my name. But right now on this Friday, why not shoot over there? Maybe you're thinking, you know, I do need a new air conditioner. Pop in. They're open. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 Smithfield. You can call them 401-949-7800. Look for them on Facebook, but pop in right now. You can also make an appointment for the weekend. Deal directly with the owners. Great selection right now, air conditioners. Come on, it's going to be into the 90s this weekend. Right now, if you right now hear my voice and drive over there, I'll bet you can get one before like tomorrow there's going to be a big rush on air conditioners i'll bet today you could still grab one j j's it's j apostrophe yes broadway appliance and tv 47 cedar swamp road that's route 5 in smithfield or call them 401-949-7800 pop in and see them well folks again it's the john DePietro show and i wish i had better news but between uh, inflation nationwide and, and of course you know biden of course he has terrible approval ratings he should have terrible approval ratings the presidency notice like uh harris is nowhere right now and and uh, again he's overseas right now president biden he is right now in um in south korea and you know you still have to deal with a problem with china but the um, with what's happening right now with inflation, how this is going to affect everyone and how it's going to affect us this summer, it's um, the, this the the only thing we can hope for is that the Republicans take over the midterm and then they can start to push them, them things through within Biden would just have to go along with a Republican dominated Congress. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. Jay Perry paving. 
Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Think to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining me right now is Nicholas Oliver. And Nicholas was with the East Providence Board of Canvases. And he posted something very interesting on Facebook yesterday. And he joins us now. Uh, good morning, Nicholas. Good morning, John. Nice to be with you. How is it 24 hours coming up on after you posted your resignation from East Providence and the Board of Canvases? It's been a surprising reaction. Um, I, I wasn't anticipating such a reaction, um, but it has been predominantly positive and that it achieved the goal that I was seeking to educate voters on the recent actions of the General Assembly to weaken our election laws and provide them with an opportunity to react and respond by contacting their General Assembly members that voted to take away the integrity of our state and local elections. You uh, wrote, uh, basically, while you've enjoyed the work, it'd be impossible for me to proceed with voting to certify any further election. Talk about that. Yeah, that, that's accurate. The General Assembly um, voted, and I think that this, the bill's name is, is a misnomer. Uh, it's called the Let Rhode Island Vote Act. And then oh. there was a subsequent bill that added insult to injury. And, and what it did is that, and I believe that it legalizes a concept called ballot harvesting, yep. where fraudulent ballots are cast on behalf of someone. And we've heard these stories before. Former President Trump brought this issue to light in his first election in 2016. Um, and now I believe this is a reality if it hadn't been already in Rhode Island um, under this new law, whereas um, people had um, their ballots cast without their knowledge, free will, or accord. Um, folks that had since um, passed away seemed to have voted in an election that they were not physically capable of doing. Or in the case of populations that I have spent my entire career advocating for when their voice hasn't been heard up at the state house you know those that are in long-term care facilities or those vulnerable homebound um, patients um, that receive services um, uh, through home care agencies that may have their ballots cast without any verification to say that they had uh, voted for the people that are marked on their ballot the verification process is convoluted. Um, it has no assurities that it's apolitical and doesn't allow for daylight for you know those that are ensuring that we have strong and safe and secure elections. We'll be able to see that those ballots are being verified accurately uh, and that that was cast under, again, the free will and accord of that respective voter. You know, it's interesting, and again, folks, so speaking with Nick Oliver, the first thing that needs to be established, and I certainly appreciate your candor, but those that are trying to implement uh, these new, very loose uh, voting restrictions, the first thing they have to acknowledge, they almost act like, gee, why would anyone want to influence an election? Gee, why would anyone want to find a way to put in extra votes? Listen, they, you know, they, these are people, these are campaigns, there's a lot vested, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. It, it, to me, it's almost like, you know, gee, would someone really want to break into a bank and rot? like they, they they act like there's no value 
and therefore there'd be no incentive to try to skirt the laws. But let's talk about how you write how with these recent uh, changes, the votes will remain under the border canvases to certify it. And it's basically it's really take a lot of onus off. I don't know how someone in your position would, in fact, be able to tell if a ballot many times because of that. Um, it, it comes under like, does someone really exist the way that, you know, so much now could either be done online or just done by mail. It, it calls into question. It's it's far different than the traditional past, Nick Oliver, of, you know, you show up on Election Day, they call your name out and then, you know, you have to go in and and used to be draw the curtain, but then vote. This eliminates all of that. Absolutely, it does. And it's under the pretense of, well, it worked in the last election during the height of the COVID-19 public health emergency. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If voters are motivated to go out and vote in the polls to make sure that their ballot is cast, they will do such. In the 20 days prior leading up to November 2020 election, we had people come out in droves to City Hall to come out and vote. I think the greatest example of that was the Saturday before the election day, we had our City Hall open for four hours on that Saturday morning, and we had over 900 voters standing in line. Wow. They were not socially distant. They were not masked until they were required to do such walking into the building. And in that short period of time, with the limited physical capacity that we had in the atrium of City Hall, as I said, over 900 East Providence voters came out to vote. So the only people that this is supposedly supporting are those that are incentivized to ballot harvest. I mean, I've heard other terms used, and I, I won't take claim to those that aren't mine, but this is essentially an incumbent insurance policy. Those that are organized with specific special interests that have the purpose of ensuring that there are enough ballots stuffed in the ballot box can now do such with this convoluted verification process that really isn't verification. It's done in the back halls of the State Board of Elections where you don't know whether that's going to be a bipartisan process. There's nothing prescribed in the bill that provides that insurance that it's done such. And it doesn't show that those ballots are being verified in the light of day with oversight of those that have the interest of making sure that we have an election with integrity that is safe, fair, and secure. Folks, again, we'll speak with Nicholas Oliver, who very bravely resigned from the East Board, East Providence Board of Canvases. And Nicholas, let's talk about, if you don't mind, those drop boxes. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very leery of them. It started out there were just a couple. I think they were at the Board of Elections. Now there's one in every city and town. Um, because of a recent film, some people have a little more knowledge about it. But even then, I'll hear people say, well, they need a camera on them and someone should monitor it. What they don't even realize, in certain states, there's a limit of how many ballots could be dropped in one of those uh, ballot boxes. In Rhode Island, here's what people don't understand. There's, there's no limit. So, But if you are with the Board of Canvases and then someone goes and they open up the Dropbox, uh, number one, to me, the whole reason it serves is not for the resident, the regular citizen who maybe wants to you know, drop a, a mail ballot in the mail. To me, it really just serves the campaigns. Number one, obviously, they save on postage. But number two, if there is a fraudulent ballot, that eliminates the ch potential charge of of mail fraud but when you open that up and there are 2000 ba uh, ballots stuffed in there as you say then it's just the the matter of sorting them out you know take us through that i would imagine then you okay here's the ballot and here's the name and that's the person and you check the role okay that person does live on this street so like take us through that i just again i think these drop boxes are i think they're a way to skirt fear accurate elections i couldn't agree more and i think that that is part of a bigger issue early voting or mail ballot voting should be rare it should be 
only as an option for those that are truly not going to be at the polling place on election day. For those that are homebound um, and that have a disability that does not allow for them to be able to travel to a polling place, that makes sense. For someone who travels on business and will not be in state um, that day, that makes sense. For somebody who you know, would be working throughout all 14 hours of the polling place location open. Okay, I assume that that's rare, but um, but then that should be an option for them. But um, otherwise, you should be able to get out to the polling place in person. Um, this early voting, I understand the convenience, but boy, don't we learn so much more about candidates in the latter end of October that yes. could sway yep. voters in one direction or another. I hear so many times, particularly in this last election in 2020, about voter remorse. Yep. Um, we had a very um, controversial issue um, here in East Providence with a um, golf course that was closed and that was purchased by a developer. And that led to an incumbent losing his election because of his professional involvement with the Metacomet golf course transaction. What that resulted in was a candidate winning that primary and there wasn't a um, Republican challenger in that race to my memory. So that person who won the Democratic primary won the election and is currently serving as the state senator, but doesn't necessarily match the ideology of the district and, quite frankly, hasn't been motivated to have conversations with their constituents. Right. And now that person knows that they would lose that election. And for whatever reason, a freshman senator is now running for lieutenant governor. Um, You know, these are the type of issues that, you know, lead to folks not being the best representatives for their constituents. Um, And and it it comes to that sort of process where it provides that advantage. As far as specifically about the ballot boxes, um, we had accusations of them being stuffed and mishandled in our last election. Um, And and those were investigated and, and nothing came of them. But it did raise some questions about potential fraud risk that remain unresolved. In East Providence, there is a camera that looks at the one ballot box that is against the wall outside of the the city hall, but who has the feed? It's the mayor that's running for re-election. The canvassing office doesn't have access to that feed. And I would dare one step further. I think it should be a live feed for any constituent to go log in and watch that box anytime that they want to. I like that. We have the technology already. I mean, there are folks who probably have... Uh, those that listen to your broadcast that watch shows like on CBS's Big Brother, where you can go and log in and watch people meandering around a small house for 90 days. If the people are interested in watching that, I bet you there are people that are interested in watching the integrity of the election, and everyone should have access to that feed to watch that box before, during, and after an election is closed. Folks, again, we're speaking with Nicholas Oliver. And uh, Nicholas, what I also find interesting is, so now you're East Providence. Um, A place like Providence is a little more transient. So it's one thing, you know, maybe there are certain people, um, election day can almost be social for some of the poll workers. They see a lot of the people from the same neighborhoods they know. Providence, it's different because it's it's very transient and uh, and therefore there's, there's a lot more people to be unknown so if someone sees a name and an address they have no idea who it is but i'm just curious that one of the sponsors of the legislation happens to be from east providence what type of communication did she have to gather facts gathering um for the from the board of canvases of east providence there was no communication with any election official in the city uh, and the bill sponsor which is disappointing you know you have an incumbent who understands elections from a candidate perspective, but has no experience, and in this case here, um, no interest in how elections are operated, the amount of resources that requires a safe and fair and secure election, um, and 
drafted a bill that ultimately was successful and, and, and passed um, without having interaction with those that run elections. And that's that's disappointing to me. Um, I will let others um, decide how they feel about that, particularly those that are in her district, whether or not she best represents them and best represents their votes that are cast. Um, and uh, I'll just leave that at that. But I, I find that to be disappointing. You know, I think that if you're going to write a bill, regardless of the issue, um, as a conscientious elected official, that you would want to bring stakeholders in to br- make sure that you have a bill that is prepared for quote unquote legislative review um, that has the best interest of constituents and all stakeholders involved. Nicholas Oliver, folks, was speaking to him. In, and also in the past, I believe the provision was that if there was a notary uh, that notarized more than 50 ballots, that that would trigger at least an investigation. And you and I have talked about it, and I really highlight this opened my eyes, and it was the 2017 special election Senate district race in Newport. One uh, campaign worker, one, collected 230 ballots, notarized them all, by the way. They made her a notary. But, Nick, what, what also stands out to me is in that case, if you have the notary and it's a close election, at least then you could go to the notary and say, now, listen, you know, you notarized this ballot for, you know, John Smith that lives on, you know, Main Street and so forth. Without the notary, um, you know, a campaign worker goes out and has a bunch of votes and puts them in the drop box. Uh, Now it falls on, you know, who knows if anyone could track down the person that supposedly cast the vote. I I just think it, you, you just close a window, if you will, or a door of trying to verify uh, a vote that was allegedly cast. You're correct. There's no longer that oversight provision. Um, you had professional um, uh, electioneers that were going out to elder high rises, some of the very same vulnerable populations that I talked about earlier, that were going to organize for one candidate. Um, that they were working for. And so they were notarizing these ballots or that they would have two people from the campaign go out and um, sign with the two-person signature verification. Um, And that you'd see the same two people that were verifying multiple ballots. You know, again, it all goes back to that... um, you know, our previous part of our conversation about how mail ballots should be rare um, and it shouldn't be used as an exercise for convenience factor or for incumbent security. It should only be for those that truly need it because they're homebound or they will be out of state on the day of the election or some other emergent need um, that otherwise would not allow them to be at the polling locations. But you're right. Um, this exposes to a greater risk of fraud. You mentioned um, the Oyer election. I mean, I go back and think about the Steve Frias and um, Mattiello, Nick Mattiello 2016. Race, uh, yep. Right. Where, you know, they were only a matter of a handful of votes different. And the, and uh, Mattiello said at the time, well, I'm not worried about it. He didn't break a sweat because he knew that in his back pocket, he had a couple of hundred mail ballots that he knew were votes for him um, in the slimmest election that otherwise was blown out of the water because of organized mail ballots. Um, That should raise a red flag to voters, and that should raise a red flag to any elected official that claims to want to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. One last note, and again, folks, it's Nicholas Oliver, who I'm going to call on from time to time. I'm Nick. I think, number one, I deem you an expert. Number two, now that you've resigned, I really appreciate your input, insight into uh, how this is going to go going forward. Something that I also just think should raise a red flag, and it's a national story that Rhode Island double-counted people in the recent census. And as a result of that, we were able to retain a congressional seat, but we got flagged for they said, you know, we didn't actually gain population. They now think that we lost 
10,000 people. But what I think should raise red flags is this isn't some small project. It was the highest levels of our government in Rhode Island that were involved with the census. That was that was the governor. That was Dr. Nicole, Ramundo, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott. They had a budget of $1.5 million. Uh, common, common Cause signed off on that. Uh, you know, when we talk about eroding public trust and confidence, when you have the, the lead officials in the state telling our federal government, oh, no, this is all on the up and up. And then after they do a verification, they find out, hey, wait a minute, you know, you guys double counted some people. I, that That's another thing, Nick Oliver. It, it's as if our elected officials don't even realize they're completely losing public trust in what should be. Uh, the more that you nip away and nip away at this, they're, they're just losing public trust in how our government works, especially our elections. Well, look at all the organizations that were involved and what political slant that they may have. Yep. Um, I would even call out AARP yes. as part of that group. Well, um, today's my birthday, but I'm not quite 50 yet. Hmm. But I will tell you, uh, thanks. I will tell you that, um, you know, that will give me pause when, when I turn 50 as to who I would want to represent me in my elder years. Um but if it was easy to do that in the census and it took a couple of years before that information saw daylight and exposed to um, uh, to citizens in the state, think about how easy it is to manipulate a state election without any federal oversight. That is exactly right. And one last question, Nick, since you have resigned and again, folks, it's Nicholas Oliver. Um, I, let, let's just, you know, the elephant in the room. It's one party. Um, you know, this whole notion that the Democrats, they just really want people engaged in the system and everyone to vote. I, I just I don't buy it. It's tough to ignore. They want a system that includes a lot of ballots, uh, much more than normal, unsecured ballots. It's, um, you know, let, let's just deal with it. Their, their motivation is not to me. We need to get everybody involved in the in the process of voting they they have motives of it's easier for them to influence the outcome of an election is that fair yeah and and if you take a look at who voted i'm really disappointed in those that chose not to represent their constituents and not vote in opposition but instead decided to abstain and not vote you know that those folks had opposition but were afraid to challenge leadership there was bipartisan opposition to this bill. Granted, there is a majority that voted in favor, you know, that one party that were looking for incumbent uh, election security insurance, and, and they were able to achieve that goal. But I'm really disappointed in those that chose not to represent their constituents and not vote on their behalf to make sure that their votes cast will be safe, fair, and secure. And that's really disappointing. And I hope that voters consider that when they go to the polls and make their decision. And I hope however they vote, that their vote is cast appropriately and that their ballot is not manipulated and that there isn't fraudulent votes cast. But at, at this point, reviewing this bill and reviewing the intent and how those debates on the floor of the House and Senate went, I knew that I could not be in a position to certify the aggregate total in my community. And I hope that others listen to what I have to say, take an opportunity to review that bill, take an opportunity to speak to their elected officials and be able to vote in the best interest of securing elections in the future. I think the bill needs to change. Unfortunately for me, my state representative is not running for re-election. He's running for secretary of state, and he voted for this bill, mm. um, which tells me that he voted to make sure that he was able to win an election versus making sure that our elections have integrity moving forward. As a state's election official, that really concerns me moving toward that ballot in November. Um, and I hope others that are across the state listen to my mem my message and it gives them pause when they cast their ballot. Folks, again, he is Nicholas Oliver. Nick, again, uh, first of all, I applaud you for what you did. Uh, you're a, a 
valuable person for them to lose but we will talk to you again and uh just i want to thank you uh for the way you conduct yourself taking the time to talk to us very um thoughtful and and we'll talk to you again thank you nicholas oliver thanks john nice to talk to you thanks for the opportunity all right folks there it is nicholas oliver right here on the john DePietro show and i want to highlight when he talks about the no vote such as rep casey in winsocket no vote corvese north providence no vote craven north kingstown no vote ready here's this one patricia morgan no vote no vote ray hull no vote uh wrangland vassal no vote but uh and then uh tobin of Pawtucket, he had some uh, that's the guy that was jammed up but patricia morgan the number of times i've had her on to talk about voting and then she doesn't even vote on something like this wow that is really something all right folks this portion of the john DePietro show is brought to you by ron's pastry gourmet make it a great day at ron's pastry gourmet 170 royal little drive in providence it's ron's pastry gourmet you're listening to the john DePietro show portion of the program brought to you by the coesed inn Check them out on the website, dipetro.com, the Coesed Inn, or Rhode Island tradition since 1977, located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers, there's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. As you know, we've been talking about the border. Joining us right now, retired captain from the Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division. He is an expert. It is Jason Jones. And uh, Jason, as we are now getting into late May, people are very concerned about the situation at the southern border. Well, John, good morning. It's good to be with you. And the truth is they should be concerned. How is it that for just the month of April alone, the United States Customs and Border Protection apprehended 234,000 people? Of that, we know that at least just shy of 58,000 known gotaways made it into the country, meaning that a Border Patrol agent saw an individual cross into the United States illegally, a sensor picked them up or sign on the ground of their footprints were picked up and those were counted. So I get the concern. And then not just that, since fiscal year 22 started beginning in October in the last seven months, CBP has apprehended just shy of 1.3 million people. And that has caused a real tipping point in cascade events taking place where we now see back-to-back pursuits we see bailouts we see splashdowns into the river we see index crimes occurring along these southern states at unprecedented levels and not only that for those of you up north you see it and feel it differently but you feel it in the realm of overdose deaths from fentanyl and methamphetamine now jason what exactly is the Biden administration uh what are they doing to try to stop this onslaught nothing I mean, I just want to be completely honest. Our government has caused this. And you have to ask yourself, what are the drivers and why? What is the why? What has caused this to all of a sudden begin under the Biden administration? Well, you know, it's the policies. When you when you communicate to the world that if you come to the United States, you'll be able to stay in the country. And then the, that perception goes out. They then come and then they're allowed to stay. And then they call their family back home to countries all over the world. And this is how it works. And then you have the alien smuggling organizations, the Mexican cartels, and the long-haul smugglers all along the route on social media and everything else telling them the same exact thing. No worries. If you want to go to the United States, we will get you in the country. Those are the true drivers. So when you ask me what is the what is DHS doing to stop this? The answers are not doing anything. Their answer to this is that we're going to process people quicker and faster. That's another part of those push-pull factors that's driving people to come in. Folks, again, we're speaking with uh, Jason Jones, retired captain from the Department of Public Safety, Intelligent Counterterrorism Division. He also uh, has communication daily with law enforcement members and intelligence community. 
Now, Jason, what about the fact, if you wouldn't mind just describe for people, if it's bad now, what happens at the border as we get into June, July, and August? Sure. And, and listen, the, this this is a great question. We, we're we seeing numbers we've never seen before. You have to remember, you know, the winter months are the times of the lowest migration because historically people don't migrate outside their country of origin during the winter. They do that mostly during the summer months. And you can see that in the U.S. Customs and Border Protection data uh, going back every single year, year after year. This year is different, and so was last year because of these policies. And you know, when we're talking about 234 apprehensions for the month of April, now that the heat is hitting, but if you look even back to March, there was 221,000 apprehensions. John, these are numbers I've never seen in my entire career because we've never had policies like this. And you have to ask yourself, okay, why? And I'll give you a great example. We've seen some huge demographic shifts. We're seeing right now more Cubans, more Nicaraguans, and more Venezuelans than we have ever seen crossing. So what's the why to that? Well, DHS has said that if they come, they're going to receive a humanitarian parole into the United States. Those are the ones also getting the cell phones that you're hearing about. So that's the magnet. I mean, it's the reason. When you make those policies under the Department of Homeland Security and then you communicate that, and then they cross and they communicate that back to their countries of origin, this is the shift. And so as DHS makes other changes, you're going to continue to see that as well. And I'll give you a great example. Why are we seeing so many Haitians, Africans, people from Middle East countries coming that where we've never seen these numbers as well? Well, they're giving a notice to appear by the Department of Homeland Security. So when you have no deterrence and you've created these perceptions, it just continues. But what really concerns me while we're talking about the lens of immigration what we are not addressing is the lens of national security and how what's happening impacts the folks listening across this country. John, we're at 107,000 overdose deaths from the, uh, 2021 for the entire 12-month period. We have never been here as a country. So you have to say, well, then why is that occurring? Well, how do you link that to an unsecure border? Here's how. Because when Border Patrol, who operates between the ports of entry along your southwest border, when they adjust from a national security model, meaning trying to hold the line against all illicit commodities crossing, and they transition to a processing model, meaning that as 150 plus people are pouring in, all resources that they have go to that because they have to process them very quickly. I mean, John, I saw a 20 day old child. You can't leave them in 105 degree weather hmm. uh, just a, just a few, uh, week and a half ago. You can't leave that child in 105 degree weather very long. So they have to process very quickly. So what does that do? That allows the cartels, specifically CJNG and Sinaloa, who's moving more deadly fentanyl and methamphetamine than any other hyperviolent cartels in Mexico, to send more of that product. So it's a consequence of an unsecure border. The, the immigration issue, but most importantly, the part that is forgotten, and this is what really bothers me the most, no one's talking about the implications of the unsecure border to the overdose death crisis that Americans in the north are feeling much more in the south, but down here we feel it in the realm of human smuggling and human trafficking because we're seeing tectonic shifts toward that. So these index crimes impacting the American people, have you noticed you hear nothing from DHS Secretary Mayorkas? And you hear nothing about that from the federal agencies. And that's what bothers me the most. Folks, he is retired captain, Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division, Jason Jones. Jason, great job as always. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Great to be with you, John. Thanks for having me.